Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli. Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. So the street took me, and I became the king of the street. I have been shot three times. I have been knifed nine times. And I also shot and did. And then one day, a Dacha smoking guy came to me, and he said to me, Hey, Busman, you like Fraf and Islam? Come some at me. Where? Where are we going? No, 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 you must come. You're a gangster. Uh, you join the youth leagues and so on. But look at you. Your mother doesn't care. People don't care. I said, well, that's the life. I want you to come to a meeting. So I went to the meeting. Wash your hands. Wash your feet. I washed my hands. Washed my feet. Washed my mouth. Washed my eyes. You know what it is? You are cleansing yourself. So I sat behind the mosque. A six and a half, eight Seven and a half men came in with lots of them. And then he looked at me, young Buga. He looks at me again, and I'm saying, hey, Ratkanan. Then he moves. And then he turns around again, he looks at me again. I say, how? We are coming alone. He chimes, he chimes, wounded. And then when he comes closer, to the member, he turns again and then he starts talking. His name is Colonel Amiruddin. Colonel Amiruddin. So he gives the bayan that the house of Islam is on fire in the world. Muslims are killing Muslims, they are doing strange things. When a house burns in your family around, you rush quickly and you put the water out. But if it is on the other side, you ask whose house is it. We Muslims, he said to the people, there is fire. And we Muslims must come together and work. Is anyone here Wanting to be part of us. I just got that thing and I got up. And I walked. I walked. Strong Don Matera de Boza. So I come. He says, what are you doing here? I say, no. You told me about the house that's burning. I want to help to put the fire out. So, do you want to be a Muslim? 
I say, yes, I want to be a Muslim. And I want you to be my wakil. Wakil? Where did you get that word? I say, that drunk friend of mine, he told me about that. So he says, come, come. The place is Newtown Mosque. Newtown Mosque. On the 26th of February, 1974, say after me, La ilaha illallah Muhammadur Again, La ilaha illallah. Again, he says, come here. And then he holds me. I used to be a big guy, big muscles, big gun, big everything. And he says, wow, you are a sturdy one. Sturdy, S-T-U-R-D-Y. You are Omar. You are Omar. Be a good Muslim. Be a good human being. Be one who fights for the freedom of others. Go back. The whole mosque was standing up. Those who knew me. Ah, that gangster. That what? What? Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar, they shouted. I want to make a confession. Yes, I am a Muslim. But I am not the way I should be. And I pray to Almighty Allah on the day of Qiyamah to be, to be merciful. Oh, A-teamers, we've opened up with uh, a clip. Uh, and that uh, clip was of that uh, Don Matera, who has been laid to rest today. Uh, talking about why he chose Islam and uh, he converted to Islam faith in the 1970s and was deeply involved in the community. I mean, he had special interests in young people and the rehabilitation of ex-prisoners. As you can hear from that clip that he was not just poetic and artistic in his approach to life, but he was also very spiritual and he was passionate and he gave his best. And today, the great giant within the arts industry has... Uh, has been laid to rest. It's, it's a very somber way of opening up the week, starting the week, opening up the week. Yesterday we had the news of the passing of uh, Umam Jesse Duarte, and uh, this morning it's about Don Matera, but we are going to say that, you know, because that's what we want, peace, peace, and we want to learn from them. They don't just die, but they multiply in us through their works, through their greatness, and that is why we're going to kickstart the show by hailing the greatness of Ubabo Don Matera, who passed away this evening at the age of 87, and there was still so much more, so much more that he could have still done for us, but for what he has given, we are very grateful. We are going to be joined by Ulebo Mashile, who's an actor, poet, author, producer, actress, a speaker, and a woman that I think we all greatly love as South Africans. Um, and she's going to be sharing with us the, the, the beautiful moments that she got with Ubabu Don Matera and uh, how she's feeling and how she's going to take on the Baton and the rest of the arts community and take it forward. After that, A-teamers, we are going to have a legal conversation and it's going to be one that, that talks about um, what 
are acceptable or what is acceptable or unacceptable when it comes to legal jurisdiction. And straight after 11, we are getting into our Clairvoyant Media Mondays. We're going to be joined by Shannon, who's going to be giving us a reading, Shannon Walbrand, all the way from the United States, but also South African. So she's here for a bit and for the bit that she's here as an intuitive and psychic life coach, she's giving us more information about things that could happen or things that we should be be considering because they're out there in the spirit. I'm Patricia Dooley. Look at me. The somber mood has made me forget to introduce myself. I humbly apologize. I'm Patricia Dooley on the team. We've got Impaw, technical producer, Rabenzito Ricotto. I love the jacket you're wearing. Please, please uh, give me that jacket, Rabin. Um, it's a beautiful blue and uh, and um, black, almost like a tie-dye, dry-mac, sports-branded um, jacket. I really love it. Rabinzito Ricotto is our content producer, a.k.a. bossman of the show, and definitely he is the bossman of the show. In the newsroom, we've got uh, Greg Host, who will be back at 11 o'clock. Please do interact with us, uh, A-teamers, uh, with all the A-team guests we're going to have on um, the show on 011-714-2006. You may also also send WhatsApps on 0614-104-107. And of course, you can send us an SMS on 41391. We are getting messages from you A-teamers uh, saying rest in peace to the legend and happy Mandela Day. All A-teamers. This one I think is from Joseph, who's in Orange Farm. So it is bittersweet. That's what we're experiencing as much as we are hailing Nelson Mandela, but we have ushered in another legend into the heavenly realms. So let's start the show and interact. SAFM Social Conversations So loud. Let's welcome our A-team guest, a woman that I remember watching most of her shows growing up and uh, loving her poetry, being inspired by her, Lebu Mashile, actor, poet, author, producer, actress, speaker. Lebu, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on the show and for honoring Adata Don Matera. We have no choice but to honor this great giant who has touched most of our lives, if not all of our lives. And I, I, I'd love us to just, you know, go down memory lane. The impact that Undata Don has had on you and where you are right now, um, thinking that you have had so much, so much to glean from him, but uh, the world just does not know it all. Uh, that's what I want you to share with us this evening. You know, um, I, I said earlier today in an interview that my my existence, like my literal physical existence, would not be possible, nor would my artistic existence be possible without Radon. The first time I met Radon was at an event, at a gig, and it was very early in my career. I was in my early 20s. I was just trying to figure out what this whole poetry thing meant and how to make a living doing it. And I bump into Bradon, the icon. And Bradon comes up to me after my performance, and he also had given a, a rousing performance. You know, he, he wowed the crowds all the time. And he, he comes up to me and he tells me both sides of my family history, going back like three, four generations. He knew every single member of my family. He knew my great-grandmother. He knew both sets of my grandparents. He knew my parents. He knew their siblings. He knew them from Western Native Township, where my father's family was from before they were relocated to Soweto. And he knew my mother's family from Sophia Town before they were relocated to Soweto as well. 
he was he used to take sweets between my grandfather and my grandmother and my great grandmother hated him because he had a crush on my grandmother's cousin you know like <laughs> Brandon had all these he was like a walking encyclopedia and I was not the only person that he knew like this you know, he had such an intimate knowledge of so many people and so many families in this community funny mm-hmm. enough um this afternoon mama maralo who celebrated her birthday yesterday was sharing mm-hmm. with me that undata don was in the process of helping her with her family tree so i thought it was maybe just a special thing for mama maralo but clearly that don matera knew everything about everyone I, I, now i understand why he was such a great journalist he was a walking archive of the history of the people of Johannesburg and of this country and he he didn't he didn't choose you know Bradon was as comfortable in the Muslim community as he was in Soweto amongst black people amongst all kinds of black people Batswana Maxosa Mama he was as comfortable in in Eldos he was he was as comfortable in 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 the in the Western Cape he was as comfortable in the Eastern Cape he he his identity was so complex but he saw that as a gift he saw all of these elements that made him who he is as an opportunity to be able to connect with various people and he made because of who he was he made everybody feel at home and he and because he also honored his own identity and his complexity he saw the importance of memory Bradon's uh, autobiography about the first removals in Sophia Town was called Memory is the Weapon. And I think that was one of the guiding philosophies of his life, is that through memory, through archiving, whether it is personal family narratives or the stories of the history of Sophia Town, you are, you, you're holding on to the truth in the face of people who want to deny that truth. And that is power. And he wielded that power with so much love, and he was deliberate about it uh, with everyone, as you say. Most definitely deliberate about it. And the, the thing I loved about Wabdon is the fact he embraced his diversity. In a South Africa, back when he was born in 1935, up until, you know, <laughs> we had our first democratic elections, South Africa, that was very divided, being born mm. um, Italian on one side, Corsa on mm-hmm. the other side, Tuan on that side. But Don managed to to be Sophia Town personified. He lived it, he walked it, he embraced every part of himself. And I think that's where we can take a leave. Um, Lebo, I'm going to ask you to just comment on this. I mean, because you lived with him, you you were able to interact with him more than most of us. Um, and just tell us about the inclusion of, of how he made, managed to make every South African feel comfortable, every person he met with. But we're going to do that after the break, okay? Okay, okay. Social conversations. A team is we still in uh, a beautiful conversation with Lebo Mashile talking about uh, or giving tribute rather to Ubabu Don Matera, who was a South African poet and an author, uh, a man that really ignited the love of poetry for me, the love of African poetry and literature as a young girl. And today we pay tribute to this. Uh, Wonderful man. Lebu, thank you for your time. Before the break, I was asking, you know, Bob Don was able to, to be a melting pot, a personified Sophia Town, a personified mm. Gofifi for us as South Africans. Mm. And you, you would, ex- you, you, no one ever asked the question, who is he? You know, it was never racial for him. It was always, no. this is Don Matera. But growing up in South Africa the way it was, 
um, you know, it, it was not easy for us, for him, even worse. How have you found he was able to just influence young South Africans, especially artists, to accept who they are and and love who they are in order to be able to, you know, influence with their with their creativity? Well, Don had tremendous compassion for the the traumas of the people of South Africa and especially the way that apartheid polarized our communities and our identities. Apartheid made identity a very unnatural thing. People move, people mix, people intermarry. That's what human beings do. Human beings migrate from one place to another. They fall in love with people across borders. They make new identities. They make new cultures. That's the business of being human since the beginning of time. So Bradon understood that his identity was him being, you know, part Swana and part Corsa and part Koi and part Italian. He knew that all of these very different people had to come together at some point and get along, even if it was for a short period of time, in order for him to exist. And he wore that like a badge of honor. He saw himself as being part and parcel of the fabric of the history of this country. And he didn't see why that should be denied to anybody else. He had tremendous compassion for people who felt like outsiders. Because I think he also, you know, there was a part of him that understood that as well, what it meant to be ostracized, what it meant to be oppressed. He had tremendous compassion for the identity struggles of, as, for, for various people, you know. He had, he had compassion for the struggles of the colored people of this country. He had compassion for the struggles of the African immigrants of this country. So, you know, he, he always, he had a way of looking at the world from the lens of the outsider, whether it was the person who was poor or, you know, the, the, the person who had gotten involved with criminal activities and was incarcerated and then came out of jail and was looking for a way to better themselves, or whether it was the person who's living with disabilities, or whether it's the Somali Muslim immigrant, or whether it's you know, the, the, the person who was previously identified as colored and, and is, is struggling with what that means, negotiating that in this society. He, he had compassion for that, but he also saw that it was essential for him to make peace with who he is in order to show everybody else that it's not your existence that is unnatural. It's what apartheid did to us that is unnatural. Mm -hmm. Apartheid shoving us into boxes and making us think that we are meant to be isolated from each other. That was the crime. That was unnatural. Us being who we are is beautiful. It's human. It is, it's, it's, it's not just, you know, it's not just the, the present, it's the past, and it's also the future. And I think when he stood on stage and embodied this, you know, he never said it as like, you know, a philosophy. I can't think of a single time where Bradon just rattled all of this off. He did it with his being. He did it with the way that he interacted with people. He did it when he stood on stages and he spoke five, six, seven different languages. He did it when he spoke to, he, he had the same manner of speaking, whether he was addressing an audience full of politicians in parliament mm -hmm. or whether he was addressing uh, an audience full of 25-year-old lovers of poetry at a festival in Newtown or anywhere in this country. He spoke with the same tone of voice and the same love, the same reverence for his audience and, and, and the same reverence for 
his his passion, which was which was poetry and writing and speaking and using creativity to express and heal. You know, eighty-seven years of giving of yourself. Um, mm. We have gleaned from him. We have gleaned from his his uh, books, from his poetry. Um, wh- what inspired you? What is the book that made you say this is the one? I know you mentioned um, where Memory, of the, Memory weapon. the Weapon. Yeah, is the weapon. W- what other book is the one that you say for me? It's a Zanian love song. I was uh, going to say that <laughs> it's obviously the iconic Zanian love song. Yeah. I'm looking at it yeah. right now. You know, it's here on my table as I talk to you. Um, uh, I mean, but he was a masterful orator, and he was an outstanding poet. Um, and I mean, he 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 wrote across different mediums. Yes. Bradon also wrote children's books. Mm. Bradon wrote plays. Bradon has a long history, decades worth of experience as a professional journalist in this country, working for the Star, um, and and he mentored so many black writers across all of those genres. Um, so. You know, his, and his gift with language began when he was a child. You know, before Bradon was, was an activist, before he was a Gienza, before he was anything, Bradon discovered that he was a poet at the age of eight. So I think it's, it's also befitting that when we remember him, the thing that I think sticks out in the minds of most people is the fact that this, yes, this man wore many hats and had many identities and was very complex and was an incredible icon, but above all else, he was a poet. That's how I remember him. I remember him treating poetry as a visa that allows you to be able to access so many different worlds. And I think being able to observe him and study him and love him and be his friend and be mentored by him, you know, as he mentored hundreds of other people, yeah. um, you know, he, he liberated me to realize that being a poet means that I can do anything. And which book you still haven't told me because I, I chose a Zanian love song. I'm a Zanian love song. You, you and I need to punt different books. I know it's a beautiful <laughs> one. So, so I, I asked the same question as my partner was going to the memorial um, for Wabdon, and he had yeah. in his hand an autographed um, a copy of "They Passed This Way and Touched Our Lives," oh. the 2008 released one. And I thought, my goodness, you know, there's something for each and every one of us when it comes to his writings. Um, yeah, we have we have learned so much, and I'm I'm so grateful that he has he has sent on his baton to you, and to many others, and but, to many many and, and to many many others, and uh, for me that will give me gratitude forever because I've looked up to you, Lebu, as a as a poet, as an actor, as an author, as a director, and I'm in, I'm in studio with someone who also loves you, you know, who loves you exceptionally. Uh, her name is Shannon Walbrand. Um, oh, sweet. Thank you so much. So, so, so you are loved by the greater South Africa. You are loved by international, um, you know, community because of your work. And we know where it stems from. Lebu, before we let you go, uh, we've got some messages and some uh, guests who'd like to speak to you. Let's go to the lines. Vuyo is on the line. Hi. Hi, Patricia. Hi, Vuyo. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. And how are you? I'm good, thank you. I had to stop. I was uh, on my way from the cemetery, West Park Cemetery. And uh, earlier, I was talking to Lebu there, and I was relating a little story of how I got to be where I am today. Don Matera was um, uh, a part of the team that put together and running the Weekly Mail 
now Mail and Guardian training project. This is early 90s, 92, to be exact. Uh, so I applied after graduating, and um, you know the firm was come to Johannesburg for an interview, and uh, I just didn't have the money. And then the day before the interview, the scheduled interview day, um, Bradon calls me and says, "What's this? I hear that you're not coming to Johannesburg for an interview." I said, "Well, Bradon, I don't have the money." He said, "I don't care what you do. Go break a bank. Go rob somebody. Whatever you need to do, you need to come here because." You're almost guaranteed entry. I ran around that whole day with a relative and a friend. We managed to convince the local business person to buy me a ticket to come to Johannesburg. Did the interview on the Saturday. A few days later, I got a telegram saying I've been accepted. The rest, as they say, is history. Just want to tell that story. Oh, man, Vuyo. Thank you for sharing. Mm. Thank you for sharing. <laughs> Levo, do you have any comments for Vuyo? Because, wow. <laughs> He shared that story just now. Like literally we were together moments ago at the at the at the graveside at West Park Cemetery. And it, it just it just speaks to his generosity of spirit mm. and his vision, his ability to be able to identify that this is young black talent. Yeah. And 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 to be able to see, I mean, look at how what what Vuyo has been able to do with his career yeah. in the last thirty years. Imagine if we didn't have a William book, or imagine if a Bradon had not been able to speak life into this young, intrepid, in, insecure boy who wasn't sure. You know, imagine. I think I mean, there are others. I mean, your Monzi Makanyas, your Ferial Hafajis, these are editors of our time. They came uh, through those hands. I mean, Bradon was our mentor throughout those years. We all came uh, via or through the uh, mail and weekly mail training project, as it was then called. Vuyo, mm. mm. Vuyo, thank you so very much. Thank you for it's, sharing. It's a I had to stop on the way and just, yeah. This is how we play tribute to Bob Don uh, Matera. Oh, may his soul continue to rest in eternal peace. But not only that, may he continue to inspire the generations to come through his writings. Lebu, what are your closing comments? So I know you need to go, and there's a message I wanted to read, and I wanted you to hear it because, wow, Lebu, you you have touched a lot of people, right? Um, It's from Aitima Tulani. Tulani says, Patricia, you know, Bradon was a great patriot and it is indeed a somber night, especially to those who know and listen to his narrates as in the early years of this radio station. Okay, so I'll cut a bit and then he says, um, maybe the whole story of Bradon must be played to the radio. And I remember him talking about the removal of black and uh, people of color from the infamous Sophia town to Soweto, Westbury, mm. and nuclear. And this is a touching story. And with Lebo Mashile, I think Bradon will sleep a nice sleep, easy. And thanks for taking, talking about his departure. Lebo, people are saying there's a story to be told here. Tulane, our aunt, he must say there's a story to be told here. When can we expect something from you? You did it with Sarah Batman. You you made us proud. (laughs) Thank you so much. There's definitely a story to be told here. You know, I went to the funeral now with uh, Natalia Mulebazi. And we were, you know, uh, uh, in the Muslim community, in the Muslim faith, uh, they they bury within 24 hours of somebody having passed. So Bradon gave instruction to his family and to the Don Matera Foundation that he wanted to be buried when sunset on the day that he died. So he insisted that he be buried today. 
So, I mean, as you know, I mean, for many other cultures, like going to the funeral, going to a, a gravesite at night is completely taboo. I've yeah. never seen a gravesite at night. And in the Muslim community, um, there's, a, there's a special place for women at, during the funeral protest, but not necessarily at the gravesite. The gravesite is a place for men. So it was interesting, you know, you had this collision of, again, different worlds. There were, there were Muslim men and, and people from the Muslim community. There were African people there. There were people from the government and from the ANC. There were people from Parkour and the PAC. All of these worlds just colliding, you know. There are women there and artists there. So, I mean, up until the last drop, and I was saying to Natalia as we were sitting in her car, you know, I said, we were like, this is a poem. This is mm, content right mm. here up until the very last minute. Radon is forcing people who otherwise wouldn't necessarily be together to come together. And he's forcing communities to have to, 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 to find each other, to bend the rules, to accommodate each other. He's showing that culture is something that doesn't, it doesn't have to stay in a box. It doesn't have to stay static. Um, so I, 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 I just, you know, his soul is so big and so generous that even in death, he's breaking boundaries and, and teaching us. Um, and I, I felt like your listeners need to hear that because not everybody had the privilege of being at the funeral and everything, but, you know, um, all of the communities that mattered to him, you know, even in his final send-off, you know, were, were, were brought together in, in such an unusual and beautiful and diverse way. Well, peace and greetings to the beautiful Natalia. Um, I oh, I love you two ladies so much. Thank you for oh, praying to read. And do let us thank know you once so you sit down and collaborate to bring something together. Definitely, to bring something definitely. together in honor of Ubab Don Matera. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you for doing this. Have a wonderful, wonderful evening. Uh, and, and thank you for honoring this man. We, I appreciate it very much. Thank you very much. A-teamers, that was Lebu Mashile, actor, poet, author, producer, actress, and a speaker. And she was paying tribute to Ubabu Don Matera, who has been laid to rest today.